0: Welcome to The Everyday Creative, a podcast that encourages creation over consumption. I'm Emily, a certified health education specialist.
1: And I'm Evie, a licensed art therapist. And together, we talk about ways everyday people can incorporate creativity into their lives in order to consume less and create more. Enjoy the show. Hello, Welcome to the Everyday Creative. I'm Evie. And I'm Emily. And today on the podcast, we are going to explore the topic of negative creativity. What that is, what it's all about. Yes, a very intriguing topic. So I think we'll have a lot of fun with this one. But why don't we just start with what negative creativity means? We have a definition. And this definition says that it's malevolent or negative dark creativity uses the creative process to do something socially unappealing and guided by self-interest. You might not intend to harm someone else, yet harm is often a byproduct of your actions.
0: Yeah, so the example that they use is, like, let's say it's your partner's birthday you don't have time to go buy flowers but on the way home you walk by this graveyard and you see some flowers sitting there so you take them so that's a creative way to solve your problem but it is stealing and it kind of is a little is also unethical and kind of gross you know you're stealing flowers from a grave so while it, it was a creative way to solve the problem, it has a negative outcome
1: right and oftentimes, when we think about negative creativity, especially when we're talking about something that's guided by self interest, especially when we're talking about threat theft and stealing, these things are illegal. but does it always have to be illegal
0: no i don't I don't think so i I definitely think creativity can be perfectly legal. Although I think a lot of times it's unethical or at least eventually you realize it's unethical.
1: Yeah. But I I do think that in the act typically don't, people don't realize what they're doing is even necessarily negative or that it has unintended consequences or that it's illegal. They don't feel like they're doing anything right or anything wrong actually. That reminds me of when I was doing some research on this, Adolf Hitler and Charles Manson came up as like people who have negative intentions and are Mm -hmm. really creative, especially in the way that they speak to others and the way that they push their agenda. They don't necessarily, they're not the ones doing the act. They're not doing the thing that would be qualified as illegal whenever they're just talking about how they feel and their beliefs and what they think is right, but just in their ability to influence, it's unethical and negative creativity. And it had a lot of unintended consequences. Because then yeah. it, to put it lightly. Yeah. Because then those people go off and actually commit the crimes. Mm-hmm. and they carry out those beliefs but both of those individuals never admitted they did anything wrong because in their eyes at the time they weren't
0: right what, they, they, they were actually they believed justified.
1: yeah they were justified and they were the like the epitome of truth and what was good and what was right
0: right didn't they kind of see themselves as saviors almost yes yeah so to kind of get away from maybe like the criminal and unethical stuff I think one way that maybe creativity can be considered negative, at least to some people, is what we see in entertainment. So like books, music, movies, things like that. Mm -hmm. where, Or even like comedy or maybe dark humor. Whereas like the, the content itself is negative. Like, I don't know. I read a lot of books that are, you know, somebody's always getting murdered you know, well, somebody has to think of those plot lines and things like that. And it's not necessarily positive content, right? but it's still creativity.
1: Absolutely. Because anytime you create anything, I mean, music, movies, books, those are all forms of art, forms of expression. And that in itself is creative, but the energy and the intention is negative.
0: Right. And I don't know how much influence I know. I, I mean, I don't know how much influence that has on other people or like the population as a whole, because I know back in the time of Columbine, you know, when the, the big school shooting. School shooting, like one of the to first part. Was it the first? It was not. There were school shootings before that. I think it was like one of the most um, like up until that point, I think it was one of the most graphic and like the media really took hold of it. But I know one of the things that they were blaming for that was the music that the guys were listening to. And I just, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think that blame was put on the, in the right place. Cause that was, I think that was during during the time of like Marilyn Manson and like Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And so people were really worried about the effect that, that sort of stuff had on people, right? So, I don't know. I mean, they they say things like that about video games too.
1: Yeah. And really what I believe is we underestimate our power and our influence over other people. So, I believe that all of that stuff, it does have an effect and mm-hmm. it does contribute. It's like if someone puts something out there that is negative and other people are listening to it, it almost validates their belief that what they're talking about, what they're singing about, what they're writing about is good and that it's okay. It's like these people, like rappers, artists, musicians, Mm -hmm. they have a lot of power. And to say that it's that the reason they did that is because they were listening to that music. Well, that's an error in logic because Mm -hmm. there's so many things that come into play. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: part of it is like the kind of person I am it's going to lead me to listen to a certain type of music, and so if I'm already feeling that way, I'm going to be drawn to negative music, and it's almost like it's it just perpetuates the problem.
0: Right. So it's like which came first, the chicken or the egg, sort of situation. Yeah. And
1: yeah. and the truth is that everyone and everything is responsible, but the individual, the one who committed the the act, is the one at fault mm-hmm. because they're the one committing the crimes or doing like acting on those beliefs. Right. And those, those energies that are put in music and books and movies and et cetera.
0: Right. Another thing this makes me think of, in fact, when when I was doing research for this episode, I just Googled creative criminals mm-hmm. and all I came up with was websites about advertising, hmm. which I think is really interesting because you don't think of advert I, I think a lot of people don't necessarily think of advertising as negative, necessarily. But it—it's it, not mean, it's, overt. It's definitely and it—it's creative. I mean, there's some really creative minds working on these ad campaigns, but I do think it's manipulative, and I know we absolutely talked about the use of the word manipulative and how it does sound negative use of the you know manipulation can be used in a positive way I still have a little bit of trouble with that because I think even when people are uh, this this is really getting away from me because I started thinking about like choice architecture and how you're manipulating someone's environment to help them make better choices. Uh huh. So, like in a cafeteria line, when you put like the fruits and vegetables at eye level, people are more likely to choose them. If you put the water right. at the front of the line, people are more likely to choose it. While all those are good things, I do think you are manipulating someone's free will in a way, which. I mean, they do that everywhere. They do that in grocery stores, you know?
1: Right. And I think part of it comes down to are you transparent about what you're doing? Are mm-hmm. they aware of it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And is it something that is for the greater good, for the good of the individual and society and everyone around? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to manipulation, yeah, it can be positive, it can be negative, but it depends on your intention. And that's what this whole thing is about. It's like negative creativity. The, Bottom line is, what is your intention? So if your intention,
0: like in the the context of advertising, their intention obviously is to get people to buy their product. Mm -hmm. So do you think then it depends on what the product is? If the manipulation is positive or negative?
1: No, because the manipulation is negative because regardless of what the product is, because the bottom line is for the company or the business to make money.
0: What if it's an advertisement for a nonprofit that feeds hungry kids in Africa? Cause I mean, we've all seen that that one, what is that SPAC mm, yeah, ad with oh, Sarah right. McLaughlin mm-hmm. singing and that's manipulative. It's still,
1: it's, it's still manipulative. I I would still put that in the category of negative manipulation. Because even if it's for a good cause, you're still trying to use my emotions mm-hmm. against me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that makes me bummed out. So I feel obligated now to donate. Here's my penny really.
2: <laughs>
1: it should be the individual's decision and what they intentionally decide they want to put their money towards. Okay. That makes sense to me. That was a good question. You really, I stumped you. I almost had you. I almost right. Had you. Yeah. <laughs> all advertisement is manipulative. Okay. In on the negative side, I would say.
0: All right. So it's been. Decided. These are thinkers. Then.
1: Yeah. This this topic, it's really. It goes pretty provoking. deep.
0: It goes pretty deep because it can, like, once you start thinking about it, you realize that oh, it's it's all around me. Mm-hmm. It, it really is.
1: Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, what else did we find? What is the bit about dark humor? So that was just
0: you know because there's a bunch of comedians that are offensive, but it is still like creative. So is it considered negative if some people are
1: offended? So I think in that case, depending on what they are saying Mm -hmm. and if their humor is promoting hate Mm -hmm. or uh, sexism, you know, some of the other... Or some of the Any other. of
0: the isms?
1: Yeah, the isms. If it's that or promoting that, then I would say that's negative. Do you think you can have dark humor that's positive then? I don't know. I think I would have to look more into dark humor. I mm-hmm. watch and listen to a lot of comedy, but I wouldn't consider it dark humor because I personally am not really into it, I don't think. Yeah, like You're talking about... Like, dead baby jokes. Right.
0: Yeah, stuff like that. But I don't know. There, There's a lot of... I mean, I, I do think overall dark humor is negative. But I don't necessarily think it shouldn't be done.
1: Oh, I agree. And that goes for, for a lot of these that are creative, but they're not illegal. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should do away with it Yeah, because it's self-expression, but it also doesn't mean that I have to sit idly by, like if someone is making an off color joke at work Mm -hmm. or promoting something that is negative, I don't think I should just not say something or Mm -hmm. that I should laugh just because I don't want to make it uncomfortable. Yeah. Like they can be that way, but I'm not going to support it. Right. So it might be, contextual
0: like obviously at work there I don't think there's any space for dark humor there's no exceptions but if Mm -hmm. you've paid to go see a comedian or you are watching their Netflix special that situation is obviously different and in that case you can always leave or turn off the tv if you don't Mm -hmm. agree that would be the extent to what you could do there But I think your tolerance probably for that stuff is a little bit higher because you go into it with that expectation.
1: The tolerance for?
0: The jokes. Sorry. Like the tolerance for like getting offended or. Oh, right. Acceptance, like your acceptance of it.
1: Yeah. But I don't see, well, I was going to say, I don't see people going to see those comedians or watch those movies if they're not okay with that stuff, but I no, guess that's and not I, I don't true. think they should.
0: I, it, that's right. not always true, but I don't. I don't think they should. Like if you know that comedian's brand of humor, you can't mm. go in there with the expectation that oh yeah, it'll be fine. I'll just get some laughs and go home. No, you're probably going to be offended. You probably shouldn't go.
1: Yeah, don't give that person your money. Right. So other types of uh creatives that come up whenever you search this are con artists because con artists are typically they're known to be intelligent, they're known to be creative because in order to manipulate someone or basically con artists have to lie about who they are or what they're doing in order to get what they want out of their victim. So examples of that would be someone who gets into a relationship. Like there there, there was some example of this that I listened to, maybe it was a podcast, but this man got into a relationship with a woman and she was the one who was rich, but Mm. like he pretended to love her and do all these things and stayed together for a little while. And then ended Mm. up like, there's a lot of examples of that where one or the other is in the relationship for money. And so they basically lie about who they are and build their trust, and then take off with the money.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So lots of examples of that. But there was one in particular, his name is Frank Abagnale. And he is the person who the movie Catch Me If You Can is based off of that individual. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't seen Catch Me If You Can, basically this guy was very smart in the way that he would manipulate. Like he learned that by being confident and just like walking the walk and talking the talk, he can do so much of what he wants to do. So one of the examples was he dressed up as a flight attendant and realized that he could just take flights and in this get up, he could stay at hotels. He could do all these things that he wanted to do. Just by being confident and wearing the outfit. Yeah. So he's a famous con artist. And I saw a little like 60 minutes interview with him. Mm -hmm. And he said he just saw it. He saw himself as an opportunist that would see things and take advantage of that. So he would be very observant in noticing like what people do and what they get away with and how they carry themselves. And then he would just do that and just try to stay ahead of the people who were onto him.
0: Yeah. Cause I think like the FBI was even looking for him. It became like a big yeah, deal. Did he have any acknowledgement that like, Oh man, what I'm doing is wrong.
1: So whenever he first started this, he was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And now he's, I don't actually know when that video came out, I saw, but in the video, he was an old man, like maybe Mm in his eighties. And so he said, as he got older, he sort of developed a conscience. But when he was that age, he just had a kid's imagination that believed he could do whatever he wanted and get away with it and did not think about the consequences. And he didn't have any fear of it either. He didn't have fear of getting caught. So he just saw it as, you know, he was a kid, a teenager. Yeah. And at that age you move so fast and you don't really think about the future much. So he thinks that is why he did what he did. Although not all teenagers are dressing up as flight attendants and you know,
0: I never did that.
1: No, I never even considered it. So there's a little bit more to that, but I definitely see that in my line of work because I work in a prison and so many of the individuals that I work with are young. Mm -hmm. They're so young. They're 18, 20, 22, 24, and they just get caught up in something and don't really take the time to think about what they're doing. Yeah. So one thing when I
0: think of negative creativity isn't necessarily the isn't necessarily the negative act itself, it's the outcomes that come out of it that are negative. Like it takes creativity to solve problems, but sometimes when we solve one problem, it creates others. Um, Mm -hmm. one thing that I heard and it, it may be apocryphal, but one of the reasons that cars were invented was to solve the problem of horse poop. Evidently there was like so much horse poop piling up all over the city (laughs) that they're like, man, we got to fix this. And so this
1: is is getting serious.
0: Yeah. So one of the solutions was the kind of like the initial most basic car. So now we fast forward however many years the car has been around, where now cars are one of the contributors to in the environment, the terrible things that are going on with the environment now. It is one of the reasons why we don't walk anywhere anymore. So mm-hmm. people
1: are A not- A lot of unintended consequences. Yeah. So the intention for that one wasn't negative, but it created negative yeah. Problems. Eventually. Negative things. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. And I think the issue there is like we don't have the foresight to you know, really exactly. see what is gonna happen when we do this this one thing.
0: Yeah. And th- and that's happened with a lot of things like uh mm-hmm. fertilizer for food. We needed fertilizer to produce a ton of food like during war times. Well now they're realizing that the fertilizer is stripping the soil of its nutrients. Mm -hmm. And also to top that off, with the war in Ukraine, so like Russia and Ukraine produce a third of the world's fertilizer, which is significant when you're talking about a third of all the fertilizer in the world is produced from that area. So they're no longer doing that. And now what's happening is – People cannot grow crops without this fertilizer because the soil doesn't have the nutrients that it needs. Oh, man. So now we can't grow food that we eat. We can't grow food that animals eat. And so that's part of the reason why everything's getting so expensive now. Wow. Part of the reason. So, but nobody, like when they were creating this pretty high-tech solution for growing food,
1: there's no way. That they would have even known that this was going to happen. Right. Right. And that is the ultimate human flaw is just ignorance. There's no way for you to know what's going to happen.
0: I wouldn't say it's a flaw. We just can't see the future.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it's a human flaw. Right. It's not like, you know, you should punish, punish yourself for that. But it is a flaw of our human nature yeah it's human design right yeah but there are so many unintended consequences for for every act really
0: yeah and so now I mean it gives us another opportunity to be creative like how are we going to solve these problems you know which will probably end up you know in 100 200 years with its own set of problems to solve negative consequences. Yeah,
1: just gives us something to do. Uh that reminds me of um you saw the show What was the show called with um What's her name where she did that thing? I'm just kidding. <laughs> the thing and the stuff. <laughs> yeah, with the the hair um cheap clothes. There's the one about heaven and hell. Oh, The Good Place. The Good Place. Yes. Yes. So, the good place, like at the end, they end up getting to heaven Mm -hmm. and they realize that everyone just becomes a zombie and they have no feelings or anything. Right, because they're not experiencing anything negative. Yes, they don't have any challenge. Everything is so easy. So, it's like everyone's super depressed and we're supposed to be in heaven. Mm -hmm. But turns out, in order for us to live, Fulfilling lives, we Mm -hmm. have to have some friction. Yeah. There has to be challenge, which is another reason why creativity is so important and it's so innate in us. Mm -hmm. And it really dictates whether or not we're successful in life, our ability to create and be creative. So that's what that just reminded me of is that, yeah, on the one hand, negative outcomes, it's not a good thing, but at the same time, it does serve a purpose. Right.
0: Yeah, it's not like you can sit here and say, oh, if only we hadn't have invented the
1: car. Exactly. Right. And that's the same thing with really any sort of invention or like evolution in our human nature, in our, I mean, in our human uh, existence or in society, in the world, you know, it solves a problem, but it also changes the trajectory of how we live. Technology is a really good example of that. (laughs) I was just going to say, it's a a great thing. Yeah. Right. It's a great thing. I mean, the industrial revolution, you know, there's other examples of that where we take these big leaps and it's so new. We don't know anything about it Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: like the unintended consequences that will come from this invention. On the one hand, it's really great. And it's a really important thing. Technology, I don't know where we'd be now without it. Right. And like people
0: have railed against every new iteration of technology. Like when people started writing things down and there were books that, and people learned how to read, there was a big you know, uprising against that, like, oh, people's memories are going to be destroyed. This is going to destroy the fabric of America. But can you imagine like where you would be without books? Right. And
1: television Mm -hmm. and video games, radio, like all of these things, they, it's human evolution and Mm -hmm. it's necessary for us to continue to evolve and advance in that way. But the problem is, especially with something like technology, it has taken over our lives and our biology, our biological evolution Mm -hmm. is not advanced enough and is not evolving as fast. So we really don't know at this point how it's affecting our brains and everything else. Yeah. There's a lot of research happening with that now, but there's still so much that we don't know and we don't know how it's going to affect us in the future.
0: Yeah. This reminds me of a book that I'm reading right now called Stolen Focus. Um I think that his name is like Johan Hari or something like that. I could be pronouncing that completely incorrectly. But he is talking about how like one of the consequences of all this technology and specifically he is really talking about social media for the most part social media email mm-hmm. that type of stuff how that that type of technology has ruined our ability to focus and to maintain attention and he he mentions how oh you know with every new evolution of technology people are shitting on it but the difference in this case is it is more Targeted because the people who are designing this stuff are designing it, to use your word, with the intention to steal our focus. And they are using lessons from human behavior, like Mm -hmm. the work of BF Skinner, to make these apps and social media feeds more. Mm Addictive, and because the more you spend time on this app, the more money it means for these companies. Not just like direct advertising, but what they're doing is kind of building a profile on each individual human that is using their technology and then taking that and selling it to companies that can then buy it to target you even more personally. It's getting so scary. Yeah. It's getting so good that they're actually predicting what Mm -hmm. you'll be in the market for. Um, I think they used like, what was he talking about? Oh, so he talked about, um, you know, how like you're talking to a friend about buying a new skateboard and then the very next day you'll see that ad pop up somewhere on the internet. So it's right. not that, I mean, Facebook is like, and all the, all this technology has been accused of like listening to you. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they've come right out and said it, but this guy is positing that it's not that they're listening to you. It's that they've gotten so good at building your profile that they're anticipating and predicting what you need or want or are looking for and so that's what's happening. It's not that it's necessarily overhearing mm-hmm. your conversation. It's that it's getting that good at predicting.
1: Mm-hmm. And these companies, they'll hire psychologists and a whole team around, okay, how do we keep them on this longer? Yeah, absolutely. That, that's what it all is. In fact, the guys
0: that invented Facebook, no, the guys that invented Instagram took a class from BJ Fogg who many people have probably read his book, Tiny Habits, which is all about human behavior, changing behavior, and things like that. Well, the things, the concepts that this guy taught in class, these guys took it and used it to create Instagram. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, they're using like these human I, – and I don't want to say – Flaws, but it's like these aspects of humanity that are just kind of innate in all of us. Mm -hmm. They're using that against us now.
1: Right. Yeah. And because we understand the brain a lot more now and like what it responds to and what it looks at and like how do you manipulate that, like triggering the reward system in your brain. So things like getting a like or seeing you know, who looked at your photos or your videos. Like we want to look at that because that feels good and that triggers the reward system. So things like that to keep us on there longer and to pick up our, every time you pick up your phone, even if you don't intend to go to social media, mm-hmm. you end up there because you, it, because it's basically an addiction. Yeah. It works the same way. Yeah.
0: And then within that, they're using an algorithm to continue to hold your attention because they figured out what keeps the attention of humans. And unfortunately, it is usually negative things. There are certain words that, you know, come up on headlines and different things like that over and over again and have statistically shown to hold human attention more.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And... That's why the news is so negative because that's what gets viewers. Yeah. Even though people say, oh, I I don't like the negativity, but they keep going back because we want to, because that, it's an emotional thing. Mm -hmm. Like you want to feel that, even though it's negative, it still feels good. It's like a weird, it's intriguing, like why people want to do that. And I think that relates to, human, um, survival. Like, so we are programmed to notice and pick up on anything that could be a potential threat. Mm -hmm. And so we look for that stuff in our environment, like what's coming around the corner, what's happening around me. And so, you know how they say, um, for every one negative comment, you need to come back with five, five positive positive things. Yeah. Yeah, because the negativity is so overpowering, mm-hmm. and it takes a lot more to notice the positives. So yeah, the technology it mm. is um, having a lot of unintended negative outcomes.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I'm still reading the book, so I haven't gotten to the part where he tells you what to do about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because basically
0: the the first part is, you know, he talks about like things you can do personally, but because it's an environmental and a societal problem, like just because you turn notifications off your phone doesn't, isn't really doing anything.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think every little bit helps. Sure. But it's not like you can just live in the woods alone. You know, you could do that.
2: Mm-hmm. and that's
1: one way to get outside of all the negative influence of other people and the way people manipulate others for their own personal gain but is that a really realistic option
0: definitely not definitely because not. have you
1: ever like looked around and noticed how many advertisements there are it's crazy and like how often you're bombarded with content and with This product or this service or this is going on, like, pay attention over here. Look here, here, here. There's just so much noise. Yeah.
0: Did you know that billboards are illegal in Vermont?
1: They don't have any billboards. Really? Yeah.
0: That's interesting. It took me a minute to realize that when we were living up in that area. But, yeah, they don't – there are no billboards. Wow.
1: That sounds peaceful. Which, I mean, billboards are – least of our problems now. There's a lot of problems for sure. Yeah.
0: Oh man. Well, that's a bummer. I don't even have a good takeaway or solution for all this negative creativity.
1: (laughs) We didn't think that through? -uh. (laughs) No. So this is something that I talk a lot about in prison and with my clients, Mm. because that's one of the things that I hear over and over again. Like, I just want to get away from negativity. Like, I don't want negativity in my life. And people say that, but they also have to look at, okay, what are you contributing? Like, what is your energy and what are you bringing? Because if you have negative intent, if your behaviors and your intentions are based in negative energy, then you're going to attract more of that. You can't Mm -hmm. change the fact that the people around you are negative and they're participating in negative things. Literally, all you have control over is what you are thinking, what you believe, what you're doing. And so we go over this over and over again. And one tool that I have found really helpful is David Hawkins' work. On the map of consciousness, mm-hmm. because this lays out what is negative and what is positive, and the general energy fields that all humans have. Mm-hmm. So, we have a spectrum of positive and negative. Like, you, it's very difficult to maintain positivity all the time. So, you go through waves and ups and downs, but if you bring more positive energy into your life, the negativity shows up less. So, Some of the main ones, like negative energies, would be things like anger, pride, guilt, shame, grief. Mm -hmm. So by processing and identifying where you are and what you're holding, like what you're thinking, how are you spending your time, what are you doing, what are you saying, like all of those things, They will basically give you a picture of what your energy field is. Mm -hmm. And if you can figure out basically where you are, you can then make adjustments by bringing in more positive energies. So those would be things like neutrality or willingness, understanding, knowledge, love. Those are the positive energy fields that will create. A space of positivity around you. So on the one hand, yeah, we can't get rid of the billboards and there's negativity all around us, but you're just less apt to see it, respond to it, or be affected by it if you are aware of the energy that you're carrying and if that energy is positive generally. Hmm.
0: So step one, it starts with
1: awareness. Absolutely. And I think we're going to say that over and over again. I think you're right. In, yeah. in our podcast, because someone the other day asked me, like, what does success mean? And this is obviously relative depending on who you are. But I think the ultimate success is knowing yourself and having the opportunity, the ability, the resources to learn and under, understand yourself fully. And I think if everyone did that, I think at our essence, we are positive, spiritual beings. And that's what we'll find. That the mm-hmm. negativity, it's its falsehood. It's not true. It's not productive, helpful, any of those things.
0: So do you think that anybody, regardless of social standing, abilities, education, socioeconomic status. Do you think everyone has this ability?
1: Absolutely. Everyone has the ability and I think a collective level we all have that knowledge and understanding of like our essence or mm-hmm. like our like who we are and what we are at our core. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think yes. But David Hawkins gets into this as well, because he also talks about like karmic effects and mm-hmm. that even though we all have the ability, we don't all have the opportunity in this lifetime, because not only are there, there are all of these barriers and like social differences, like everyone has their own stuff going on,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that it's. Some people are further away from being able to do that. Right. And there's karmic reasons involved as well, generationally. So basically, if you're doing something negative, it's going to have a karmic consequence. Like if you put something out there, if you hurt someone, you're going to get that back. So I believe that what you do and your energy, your intention, if it's negative, you're going to face the consequences. And it may not be direct. It may not be obvious, but all that information is collected. And even if it's a matter of like, you're not at peace, you know, Mm -hmm. you're going to feel that. Mm -hmm. So I believe that yes, everyone is capable, but I don't believe that just having this information is going to change anything about like whether or not you get there.
0: Right. Yeah. Cause in- information really alone doesn't change anything. It's, mm-hmm. it's always action changes. Things. But
1: it is, everyone has access to these things, these mm-hmm. energies. And that for some people, there's a lot that will get in the way of your ability to get there so like someone who is angry they might be angry because you know their whole life they haven't been listened to respected etc this may be on the individual level like in the home but it may also be on a societal level like you're judged based on your skin color and so people treat you a certain way and what happens is that whatever energy level you're at It creates things around you that justify, it justifies what you believe. Right. And so if you say, you know, that's not the way it is, or try this other perspective, they'll have a reason and examples for why they can't do that or why that's not true. Mm -hmm. So like the the energy field that you're carrying, it creates a lens for -hmm. your perspective. So you're just seeing more of what you believe. It's like the confirmation bias. Right. That's what you're seeing because that's what you're creating. And it's very difficult to convince someone otherwise. Right.
0: Do you think it's always going to take like an outside perspective to get that person to see it? Or do you think someone can like come to this on their own? Because I mean, most people have not read David Hawkins book. I mean, I'm a reader and I have not finished that book that you gave Mm -hmm. me. I I haven't gotten through it. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: It's it's a lot.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, I think there's both internal and external influence there. I Mm -hmm. do feel like it takes some sort of intervention, even if it's not a person like maybe it has to be some event or some bit of information i mean going to I don't prison think it just could
0: probably be an intervention
1: exactly exactly and that's why i feel like prison it's it's a great place for big change mm-hmm. because it takes slowing someone down before they have the time or energy desire to look at that stuff to think about it So in that regard, prison is very helpful. Yeah. I think a lot of great work can be done in prison for that reason.
0: So I think this has been a really good discussion on negative creativity. I feel like we could continue to talk about it and branch off to all these different subjects. And I'm sure we will. And future podcasts I think the Yes Energy stuff Definitely needs Way more exploration I agree I would like to do An episode on that Yeah But for now, now We're gonna move on To our four cues So even though We have already asked A lot of questions We have one more the, Is creativity Ever neutral does it have to be good or bad? Do you think it falls into those distinct categories?
1: I had to think about this one because I want to say that, sure, creativity can be neutral. But I think it's, if at all, I think it's very rare. Because like we were talking about the energy fields, they are positive or negative And mm-hmm. any action, it's going to have a ripple effect. Yeah. And so for it to truly be neutral it would have to have no effect yeah right
0: yeah and oh well, i think i think you've said this before like creativity like in any sort of act of creation is a good thing even if it has negative outcomes
1: right because creativity, remember our yeah. our first definition of creativity mm-hmm. or our main definition of creativity is it is productive so yeah
0: but yeah so I don't think it's ever neutral I think that's my official answer right it's either gonna be it's not neutral yeah
1: but I wouldn't qualify so when we say good or bad I feel like that gives it the wrong like those are the wrong words right I think it's positive or negative okay because even negative it's not good, but it's still productive. Gotcha. So our quest, identify a time in your life where you did something creative, but there were unintended consequences to you or someone else.
0: Okay. That's something I'm going to have to think about this week because I honestly don't know. And who knows? It could be consequences that I haven't, I haven't seen yet. Some creative act I did. I don't know.
1: And maybe this podcast. A lot of the time, possibly it could be this podcast. We have no idea (laughs) what kind of effect this is having on you and what may happen in the future with this thing. But yeah, I mean, I think that's challenging because when you create a lot of times you don't see what comes next or like what happens. You just kind of move on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You don't always know what impact it's had on another person.
1: Mm-hmm. That's going to be a thinker for me too. Yeah. So I think quality creativity,
0: that's all you. What do you have this week?
1: All right. So to align with our topic today, I thought I would talk a little bit more about um, some of the creativity that I see in prison. Nice. And while at least in art therapy, it's productive and positive for the most part. There is a lot of negative creativity in prison. And that's because there's a lot of limitation. And there's a lot of people in there that, that want something that is not available Mm -hmm. in prison. So there's things like prison contraband that I've, I've done like trainings and things like that. And they'll show you examples of some of the stuff that's created in prison. Are you responsible Um, for like
0: looking for that? Like being- No, no, no.
1: No, it's really more informative for me because I'm not on the security side. But it's, yeah, I don't don't look for it. And I definitely do not encourage people to bring contraband to my group. So I don't see it. Do you have to like count Um, all your pencils before they leave? Yes, I do. I count everything before and after session. And if we're using a number of materials, I'll have them like give me their ID. It has their name and their Mm -hmm. DC number is what it's called, which trying to think now what that stands for. Department of Corrections? Yeah, I guess that would be what it is. (laughs) I don't know. Their DC number. Yeah. So like their prison number, um, that way I can keep track of Mm -hmm. what we've got going on. So yeah, um, outside of my groups, there's definitely a lot of contraband. So these would be things like weapons, drugs, cell phones, and these are all to, like our definition says, it's with negative intentions Mm -hmm. and it's a selfish intent, like things like drugs. They want people to send something or bring something. Mm -hmm. Um, One example is sometimes their family, friends or whatever, they'll mail something in, like a letter, but they'll soak the letter in drugs. Oh. Whoa. And then they can smoke the letter. So uh these things are like K2 and Suboxin are really mm-hmm. common inside the institution. And we've also there's a lot of weapons that get mm-hmm. made in prison. Um, oh wait, before I move on to the next thing with mm-hmm. the with the mailing stuff in for mm-hmm. one everything that comes in is obviously searched and checked and mm-hmm. there's a lot of creative ways that people will mail things in i've seen one where it was like a package of you know like the the it's like tuna but mm-hmm. like the bag it's in a bag yeah but they like m- removed the stuff from inside but then they like put it all back together and it even like felt It still felt like what it was supposed to be in there, Mm -hmm. but they had like glued it all back together. So you couldn't tell that it had been opened. Oh, wow. Um, and then cutting out pages of books and then putting things in there or
0: putting things
1: in. Yeah. That one's classic. Uh, putting things in the spine of a book and gluing it back together. Um, if I was the one receiving it,
0: I wouldn't even know where to look. (laughs)
1: right like, why and did you I don't me know and I don't know if they communicate those things because mm-hmm. if they do all of their phone calls are monitored yeah so in order to communicate they use codes also definitely see sign language definitely see like for the prisoners who communicate with each other inside mm-hmm. they have what's called a kite so it's a little bitty piece of paper And they either have someone, one of the workers will come around and take it and give it to who it goes to. Um, There's also things like, oh, it's called fishing, where they'll take the letter and they'll put it in the toilet. I've and somehow like this. all the piping and the plumbing is connected. So yes. it'll like go to the next cell. They do, they do that with food also. they like put it in a bag and like the ear hustle guy, shoot was it down. Talking about exactly. That. Yeah. Like they sent a burrito through the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes they get caught with their, their fishing line mm-hmm. and then they get in trouble for that. Cause that's considered sure. contraband. Um, So ways that, so not only are prisoners creative, but the COs and the staff are also creative in how they like try to monitor that and like put a stop to that. So one of the things they've done lately is with mail, they don't allow letters anymore. It has to be all digital. So now prisoners have tablets Mm -hmm. that are uh, assigned from the institution. So they, they're all monitored. They all have like just these basic things and you can like order things like download music or movies that they can buy and have Mm -hmm. that on their tablet, but they don't have access to the internet or anything like that. So now they've started scanning all the documents and all the mail that comes in
0: and then it's available
1: on their tablet for them to read. Oh, right. So with the guys that are in confinement, like long-term solitary mm-hmm. confinement, they don't have tablets. So for them, they have scanned them in. They'll scale in, scan in the mail, and then they'll print the pages and give it to them. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So lots of stuff like that. Yeah, Got to give a hat
0: tip to the creative criminals, I guess. It's very creative. Yeah. Maybe when they get out, they'll use that for good. Let's hope so. Yeah. That's the plan anyway.
1: That's what I'm there for Mm -hmm. is to help them transition that negative creativity into something positive and productive. Nice. Because the time and effort that they spend to do these things, (laughs) it's a lot of work and a lot of effort. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so smart and intelligent sometimes. (laughs) Wow! They even have oh, one more thing. They even have so they don't have cooked food outside of what they're given at the chow hall. Mm-hmm. And so, in order to cook food in their cells, they have what's called a uh, a stinger, mm-hmm. and it's somehow I've had them explain this to me before, but it's basically like they've rigged a battery, wire, and something else to boil water. So they've like created this device that will cook food.
0: Oh my God.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm.
0: Okay. Well, wow, thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. All right. So that brings us to our quote. Creativity doesn't wait for that perfect moment. It fashions its own perfect moments out of ordinary ones. By Bruce Garibrandt. So thank you everyone for listening. Be sure to let us know your comments and questions and have a creative week.